1984, Ronald Reagan's campaign rocked to the sounds of Born in the USA, with giant flags streaming and corny synthesizer echoing. So what if the song was a working man's anthem more fit for the Clintons? The 80s weren't a time for thinking. With 30 million in record sales, 10 top 40 hits, and an Annie Leibovitz designed cover featuring a blue jean butt and ambiguous flag desecration, Born in the USA is an icon of the morning in America years. Pitchfork only called it the 56th best album of the 80s, so we wanted to assess it for ourselves. And how better to listen than with the boss itself, Patron Tequila. So, pour yourself a glass and let's visit the Reagan years. It's time for episode 48 of Toast in the Classics, Born in the USA. Welcome back to Toasting Classics. Toasting the Classics must be a podcast. It From must that be a podcast. Title, what do we do on this podcast here? Well, this is the podcast where we take something that somebody made. People report to be a classic, and yeah. we we look at it, we dance with it, right. we, we turn it around it. From a couple different directions. Exactly. We see what it looks like in the low light. We see what it looks like in the twilight. We see, see what it looks, what it looks like, like naked. We close our eyes and feel it all right. over to see what it's like. Yeah. We, we put it behind one of those angle. screens, put a, we backlight it so it's nude right. as it's changing Daguerreotype of it. We do a silhouette. Yeah, exactly. All that stuff. All that stuff. And then we decide whether it's classic or not because we are. It's daguerreotype, isn't it? Yeah. Between the two of us, we have like 40-something years education at least. Right. And right. Uh, so we decide. Mine's all on the mean streets, though. I don't know if that counts. Mean streets? Mine's just prison time. It's just making pruno and stuff like that. I don't know. <laughs> none, of it's like, none of it's proper education. I always want to try pruno. Anyway. Have you ever seen Oz? That's pretty much my education yeah. there. Yeah, Wizard of? I've seen that. Yes, the, Wizard, yes the Judy Garland. The Judy Garland vehicle. <laughs> I'm Clint Lanier. Dave MacArthur. Welcome to Toast and Classics. So uh, this episode, we are doing a free form, uh, what we call a free form. And free choice. Free yes. choice, rather. Free choice. I could okay. do anything. I could choose any media on this planet. Any. I have a bias in this on these weeks towards albums i think we've done great episodes on albums i love to do a deep dive learning about a new album i love to listen to an album that i haven't gotten to do before so i got online and i looked up just off the top of my head best albums of the 80s and i came up with a little a little record don't wait don't tell me erasure huh I tried to discover. <laughs> I love Erasure. Come it's a on. great song, right? Yeah. No, it wasn't Erasure. Right. It wasn't Erasure. I didn't see them listed, weirdly enough. When There's a couple Rome. new orders. I can, I can keep going. When, when in, in Rome. Rome. Is that The Promise? That's I the love promise. that song. I yeah. love that song. Don't see, knock that song. See, this is all the great stuff. That is a great song. But none of them um, were the best albums of ni- the 1980s, were they? This was one of the best albums of the 80s. It yeah. actually only came in at 56 that I looked at. It's not at. surprising. I think probably should have been better than that, just for the cultural there's impact a, overall. There's a lot of competition in the 80s. We had there's Thriller. a lot of competition. There's a lot Thriller of had to be, like, top 10, right? Thriller was number two. Okay. What was and number one? Purple Rain was number one, which I don't what? have. What? I don't have a great bit. No. I would have said Thriller. I like, I'm more of a Michael Jackson yeah, man than a Prince man, but I can I dig that. that. That's cool. What was three? To me, Prince Michael Jackson was always Coke Pepsi. I can uh, understand why you might no. like one or the other, but I'm a Michael Jackson. Didn't they shill for Coke and Pepsi also? I think they did. Those two guys? Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't have a problem with Purple Rain. That's fine. Um, I, I prefer Thriller. For this uh, episode, fans get to listen to number 56. Number 56. An artist who I think could be listed in terms of, in terms of his personal fame up there with Michael Jackson and Prince. Right. This album is Born in the USA. That's right. Bruce Springsteen, the boss himself, which I forgot his nickname when I was picking the drink. Uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently, the drink is related to... There you go. So that synthesizer uh-huh. and that that snare, everything uh-huh. about that, improvised when they sat down to record really? the song. I know that. Not written. He just, they were like, they were like, we need like a, I think we need like a synthesizer track to open. The guy was like, me, 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 which takes five seconds to play. And it sounds like it. when you, when you think about it, this is why this cannot be held up there with some of these great R&B records right. is because frankly, the, 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 the number one track starts out with me, 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 yeah. me, which is lame, but yeah, it worked. Like it worked. It was very distinctive. Right. I remember it from being a kid. It was out there. It was all the time. T-shirts. I do remember this. I do like remember that. this from Reagan's. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. Presidential. I yeah. I wasn't yeah, in politics in those days. But well, I was. I was seven. I am a little bit older than you. A little bit. Just a little, a, bit. A little bit. Yeah. But I was aware of presidential to. elections. I knew who Ronald Reagan was. and so, Sort of an emblem of the 80s in the yeah. same way as Bruce yeah. Springsteen in a lot of ways. Like He really was, wasn't he? Michael Jackson, God, he Madonna, Ronald Reagan. He really Ronald was there Reagan. the entire 80s. Yeah, 82. Wait, 80 he got elected. Wait, 80 or 1980. Or 80. He was elected in yeah, 1980. Yeah, yeah so, so 88, he, was, he left office, but he was, yeah. Took to, was inaugurated in 81, left 89. Yeah, that's right. 
Crazy. And then we got uh, his successor. Thousand points of light. Yep. George Bush. Uh, not a bad president in hindsight. I'd take George Bush over any president we've had in the 21st <laughs> century so far, uh, even though I was opposed to his presidency at the time. Yeah. But um, well. I definitely would take him over anybody we've had. Well, I don't know yeah. if I would take Reagan necessarily over everybody, but George Bush was a pro, smart guy. Yeah. Maybe I disagreed with him ideologically, but like, I'd just like to have a smart guy in charge of things, <laughs> for, you know, an adult. For once, like it just seems like there's never an adult in charge. I don't know if that's because as you get older, everybody seems like a kid, or you just realize everybody's just as dumb as you are. Everybody's come on, man. Uh, We are doing Born in the USA. Yes, we are. So let's get back to that, shall we? That's right. What did you think? What What was your personal relationship with this album? I had a history professor who thought that Bruce Springsteen was the second coming of Bob Dylan. Loved it. Was quick to point out what Born in the USA like. The lyrics actually meant. Yeah. Um, yeah, nothing to do with right. Ronald Reagan. And I mean, that still happens today. I think one of the Clintons used Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow from uh, Fleetwood Mac. Sure. I think it was Hil- Hillary Clinton, I think, used it. That song is about getting divorced. Like, <laughs> don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow. Yeah. And, 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 but see, it's just the catchphrase. That's all you care about, right? So, yeah, the Born in the USA part, like that's the part that anybody cared about. Born in the USA. Right. But, you know, they don't talk about... It's like We Are the Champions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You see a whole bunch of jocks and frat boys and stuff singing We Are the Champions at a football game, and it's like, you know that means you're gay, right? (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) Freddie Mercury's not talking about football players. He's not. But, you know, I guess that's what it all comes down to. But uh, so that was... So I already knew, I mean, obviously going into it. Plus, you know, I was a lit major and then... Uh, I do rhetoric and stuff. So I So I, as part of your training you actually listen to the lyrics. Well, of the I song. just know I know yeah. wordplay, right? right? And and I know well, there's not much wordplay to it. It's just if you the, okay. We well, just have to listen the to lyrics the lyrics are kind of hard to understand in rock. Have you ever thought about that? Well, he he mumbles a lot. He but, does But that's a that's a not, trope, right? He's not like as bad as Dylan, but I he, would say everything from Led Zeppelin up to Nirvana Mm-hmm. It's very hard to understand what the guys in rock are saying. Yeah. It's like they're like mumbling their words on purpose. You, that's what you always had the liner to a CD oh, yeah. or to a record. Always, maybe. Sometimes. They didn't always sometimes. come. Yeah, I used to get come. so happy if I got a tape or yeah. something and I opened it up and had right. lyrics. I'd be like, right. okay, now we're in business. Yeah. Like, Of course, with Nirvana, you read the lyrics and you still didn't understand what he's talking <laughs> about. But this one, you could listen to it. You could be singing along with it and not understand. I used right. to gibberish sing along with things, like oh, just yeah. sing syllables that kind of you sounded. Kinda, you kind of, you, you kind of. I'm trying to think of some good examples. What Do you know some good examples of misunderstood lyrics in your life? Pour some sugar on me. Okay, what did you think that was saying? Well, no, not me. Other people. Okay. Uh, I always it? knew it was pour some sugar on me, but pour some shook up ramen, I think I've heard. Pour Do you know the, uh, the, the, lo- the love theme by Berlin from Top Gun? Take my breath oh, yeah, away. Take my breath away, yeah. My, my friend and his little sister thought it was saying tables, red and gray. <laughs> tables, red and gray. <laughs> so they're like, tables, red and gray. <laughs> there's nothing that 100 men on Mars could ever do. <laughs> sing it that way. Um, there's a whole bunch of them because it's just kind of hard to understand. There's something about the way rock lyrics scan. But this one, Because if you listen to a country song. This one, it's a slower tempo. I didn't grow up as a country like that, guy, yeah. but I'd listen to a country song and it would be like kind of like a breath of fresh air. I'm just like, oh, that's just a guy talking. I know exactly right. what he's right. saying. Like, but I mean, it, again, it's a slower tempo. You don't listen to Randy else. Travis and you're like, what? is he saying you know <laughs> right. it's pretty clear well born in the usa if we just want to start there i mean were you where i what born in the usa yes very much so. yes i was too i never I got too. into a little hometown uh, jam, technically though. i was born in iowa i did know somebody what i always thought was interesting about the songs i okay. did know somebody who got into a little hometown jam oh okay and had to get had to go had, and kill had, the yellow man. Had to go and kill the yellow man. Yeah. His name was probably uh, a brown man for our generation. Well, yeah, we're not no, so no, much no, into killing the yellow a, man. This was a, a much older co-worker of oh, mine. Okay. He was, uh, I think, when I knew him, he was in his. Well, if he was really old, he was probably killing white men. Baby boomer generation, they had to go kill a yellow man. So and he then, was baby and then our generation yeah. is killing brown men. Okay, well, so he no, was, yeah. he, not necessarily white men if they're really old. It could have also been yellow men. This is true. Yeah, I didn't see? think of that. Yeah, I didn't it, think it of that. Yeah, our, tra- our long tradition of killing so this guy, uh, Asians this guy started was, a long time uh, ago. This guy was, grew up in Detroit, Okay, was uh, running with the bad crowd. His name was Joel Crandall. Fantastic guy. Loved that guy to, okay. to death. I don't know where he's at. I, I lost track of him, but I hope he's, he's doing well. I worked with him for Got years uh, back in the nineties. Joel, if you're Joel Crandall, if you're out there, reach out to us at toastingtheclassics at gmail.com. <laughs> right, let, right. Let, let Clint know that you're doing that all right. You're doing okay. But he uh, he was running with a bad crowd in Detroit, like 17 years old, got in trouble, 
judge told him, join the army or go to jail. And he's like, I'm joining the army. Yeah. And uh, next thing you know, he was, uh, well, first he went to Germany and then he went to Vietnam. And so this has been like 65 or something like that. So very early on. Yeah. But he actually, he spent like four or five or six tours in Vietnam, uh, left as a master sergeant. I think he finally retired out of the, out of the army. So it was good for him. He said, you know, saved his life. Yeah. One of my best friends growing up went off to his first year of college mm -hmm. and like not only didn't do well, mm -hmm. not only didn't attend his classes, mm -hmm. but would see he had to go to a class and like go to a friend's class to hang out with the friend during his <laughs> class. He came back with D's and F's and stuff yeah. like that after his first semester and his parents sat him down. And they were like, so uh, which one's it going to be? And he was like, which what? Which and they were like, yeah. they were like Army, Navy, <laughs> Coast. He's like, ah. Oh, Navy, I guess. <laughs> so he went off to the Navy, and it wow. was the best thing that ever happened to this guy. He got like a technical training. Uh -huh. College was not for him, and he and he got like a great yeah. had a great career out of it. Just was the best thing for him. So so Bruce Springsteen actually uh, was drafted and then failed the physical. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, so he never too went. short. No, no. He he apparently he had a bad concussion from a motorcycle accident when he was seventeen. Okay, that had something something to do with it. Uh, too short. How tall? How tall is he? I don't know. He just looks tiny. <laughs> to me, there's something Probably. about him. He looks like a small man. I don't know. I could be wrong. Um, but, but I he, did bring a drink oh, did you? for this episode. Yeah? What, what drink is it? In keeping with tradition here on Toasting the Classics. That is so I uh, had a little trouble thinking of something. I was thinking like Budweiser was my first. Just red, white, and blue. Yeah. You know, just thinking of Born in the USA. And it would be kind of the same irony of like, it's called Born in the USA, but actually the song's not very patriotic, where Budweiser seems like the most American thing, but it's Czech. S South African, you know, or, thought, or, or whatever it no, is. No, it was Czech, and I think it's InBev, the Belgian oh, company Inbev, owns Belgium, it now. Yeah. I thought that was just gross. I just don't want to drink uh, Budweiser, Budweiser beer. It's terrible. nasty. I used to drink Bud Light when I was a kid, Ugh. and uh, just, I, don't, I don't ever miss those days. Yeah. So I looked into it a little bit, and there was a Reddit group. Where everybody was talking about Bruce Springsteen, and what, what would Br Bruce Springsteen's favorite? So I did a little research, as I said, by mm. Googling and looking on a Reddit thread. <laughs> about what would Bruce Springsteen's if favorite you can't trust drink Reddit. Be. And there were several references. Some some said he has a drinking problem, which I did not find surprising. For okay. a, rock, a rocker from the 70s and 80s, that seems uh, like it would be par for the yeah. course. But some people said that he liked whiskey. Somebody else said he really liked tequila. And I saw several references to him liking Patron. So I just was like, oh, okay, there's a brand. So I got it. And I called you. And I was like, I was like, oh, I got to go by the liquor store before I come over because I'm going to go pick up uh, this Patron. And you were like, oh, I get it, the boss. And I was like, oh, my God, I didn't even think of that. I'm like such an idiot. <laughs> of course that's why they said that. It's the probably, it's probably yeah. just BS. It probably He probably never drank in his life, but that's a hilarious. Right, and yeah. I think that's good the enough. Boss. We're good. I We're drinking so. the boss. We're yeah. drinking the boss tequila. Absolutely. When we're talking about the boss. So I've got a nice new bottle. Uh, this retails for a cool $54, by the way. So this is one of the more expensive bottles I've invested you, you've in for spent, Toasting you've the Classics. More. You know, the most expensive. For Toasting the Classics. I the don't think I've ever gone out and buy some The bottles. most expensive bottle I bought. That bottle of brandy I got for our Castle Wolfenstein was $80. Oh, really? What yeah. was that? What was that again? That was that peach. Or no, it was. Um, no, pear, that was yours. I had brand. I had the Armagnac. Yeah, the Armagnac was expensive. The pear brandy. So we got a nice little bottle. Um, how would you describe this shape? It's almost like a wizard's potion bottle, right? Yeah. It's got a little cork in it next that, to the. That's like a. There yeah, go. there we go. It's supposed to be a like hand blown bottle. Mm. Do you know who uh, founded that company, Patron? Mm, Jose Cuervo? You will never guess in a million <laughs> years. I can give you a no. thousand guesses. You'll oh, never get. boy. Benito Juarez. No. Um, and you know see. what? You're not even close. Let's see. Let's see. Emiliano Zapata. How did you not know? I don't know. I can't. Who is it? Paul Mitchell. Who's Paul Mitchell? The hair guy? Yeah. Oh, so this is not very old, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> he, he's, uh, he's a heck of a marketer. I guess so. Is what so. he is. I guess so. At least um, it doesn't come in a crystal skull. So he, uh, <laughs> that's Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. Uh, no, he uh, went to Mexico like with uh, his wife or something like that. Or something. In, in the late 80s, early 90s, found uh do you think if I... Uh, it was tequila company. I but he found this and he said, you know what? If we take that tequila and we call it premium, because all that was available at the time was Jose Cuervo. Right. Sell it for 50 bucks a bottle. Somebody like you would come up and buy it there eventually. And well, there you go. I'm just doing it because the boss told me to do it. Cheers. Cheers. It's clear. I got the silver. Which is good stuff, too. Which I think I like the silver better. I think so. I don't like a lot of the additives they do in tequila. I don't like the, sm the way it smells. It smells, it smells like an ashtray. If I'm being honest, there's no additives. Añejo, reposado. No, just the just the, the it's whatever. Just, it's the, just barrel age. Is all it is. But there's something about it. I don't like it. I don't yeah, like they, they use whiskey barrels. 
So maybe mm-hmm. it's that. If you were to try like a three-year-old Añejo mm-hmm. that's uh, finished. Is that in, the definition? It's three, right, for Añejo? Yeah, okay. 36 months. That's finished in like a port barrel. Okay. Oh, it's it's like cognac. It's it's amazing. You can have it neat. I had a bad experience with yeah. cognac, so I'm not a huge fan, but I probably will get to cognac. like it again at some point. Oh, yeah. yeah, I went down to Australia and my in-laws tried was to kill co- me. No, it was my uh, my Ukrainian in-laws tried to kill me by giving me so much Too cognac. Too much. Yeah. So it opens up with the title track. Yep. That's the first thing. First thing you hear on the album is... Released in 1984. June of, June of 84. 84. It took two years to write, produce, and record this, this album. Okay. While they were doing it, he made another album called Nebraska. The actual recording, uh-huh. I think he recorded most of the songs like in one sitting, but the writing process was a No, no, he, he recorded them from 82 to 84. Okay. Yeah, Okay. Crazy. In his garage, it's, right? It's, he had like a guy, his like buddy set up a garage no, thing. No, he had like, he had like a real, I can't remember what it was called, the power, I don't know, whatever it's called. Uh, boss fans out there would be all about. There's oh, a okay. studio that he, he had in New Jersey. Oh, that, that, uh, I, what I read it was it was in California in a garage. I don't know. He did demos, demo tapes, but they recorded all of this was recorded like all the real stuff. Yeah, was recorded with the E Street Band. Okay, in like New Jersey. Okay, um, maybe I maybe I read the Nebraska. I think it's Nebraska. Well, he did demos. Demos for Nebraska. Yeah, I think he there. basically yeah. walked into the studio with the with Nebraska already done. Yeah. It was just like, just, he did, this is what okay, we're doing. Okay, so they were doing Born in the USA, the album. He had over 80 songs that he wrote for this. A lot of them ended up on Nebraska. So the darker stuff or the more edgy, st- like, not darker, edgy, but like the more... Nebraska was darker. Yeah, yeah like more, prof- I guess you'd call it profound, you know, thinking went into Nebraska I can't saved. remember if I've ever listened to that. I bought a Bruce Springsteen album one time, and I listened one to time. it. Well, it just bought like I was just like I don't know I don't know Bruce Springsteen very well, so I bought an album of his that was supposed to be really good, but I don't think that's what it was. I think it was something else, and it was that it was all dark and like weird and progressive, like in the sense you know what I kept thinking about with 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 that song and with some of his more. Um, it's all about like working working man like that's down, you know, mm-hmm. it's, everything's yeah, really yeah. hard, and I was thinking a lot of it. Because it seems on the surface like there's a contrast of having a patriotic album, but then you're talking about how bad things are. Right. And I was thinking like that seems page that seems like a contrast to an American for the most part. But then I was thinking, go down to an Irish bar and listen to the music. Oh God. The music yeah. that makes you feel the most yeah. Irish, the music that makes you love being Irish, is all yeah. somebody's dead and drunk in the gutter yeah. and everything's terrible. Oh, and we're all that, poor. What's that one? What's that? Well, there's Irish. a whole bunch of Pogues songs like that. There's uh, a whole the Pogues. Bu- yeah, the there's Pogues. a whole bunch of stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, the Pogues are, like, that's it's a all, great example. It's yeah. all negative, but it's like, this is what it means to be, be Irish, yeah, is yeah. to suffer these things. Yeah. And I almost think, like, Bruce Springsteen. Well, it's, it's an identity. Right? Bruce Springsteen's version of being an American, like a real American, yeah. like a working-class American, is a shared experience. Yeah. You know, it's like, Maybe. it's not, Maybe. It's not know. you know, Malibu and and jazz and all the great things about America. It's like, this is the suffering of an American working man. This is who yeah. you are. It's like a different version of gets old patriotic. It gets old after a while. Oh, it though, totally it? does. Totally <laughs> does. But you could see how somebody, probably somebody who's a little steeped in an Irish musical tradition would kind of have those sensibilities yeah. to some extent. I don't really know what his ethnic background. I know he's Adam I, Sandler's I, mother thinks he's Jewish, but he isn't, according to the Hanukkah right. song. So he's uh, he's Irish. I could see from the name why Italian, she would think Irish, okay. Italian, yeah. and I think English or Dutch or something like that. Yeah, um, but so his, just American. His mom's side is pure Italian. Okay, his dad's side is Irish and something else. So yeah, uh, just American. You're oh right. no, just, it, it was Nebraska that I got. Yeah. It's a good album. It's a really good album. There's a song Atlantic City at the beginning yeah. that's really good. Right. Yeah, I like that one a lot. So you didn't say what your personal history was with the album. Like, but the first time hearing this, I remember hearing it at a Reagan rally. Like, okay. You know, because Reagan okay. was already president, and so they'd show his rallies and stuff and his presidential election. And Reagan was really popular, you know. And I remember him using it. I seem to remember, like, this huge American flag, like, as a backdrop to his to his stage. Uh-huh. And then he would come out, and they'd be like, born in the USA, and stuff like that. And, and that's all they would play. And then I remember hearing, even as young as I was, so I was like 10 or 12, no, 10 or 11, I remember hearing, oh, that's not really what that song means. Right. And I just kind of thought that was funny at the time. Right. You know, I didn't really read into it, but that was kind of my first taste of, well, things aren't exactly as they seem. Sure. Right? And uh, and it's just like that in politics. But I remember that. Yeah. And uh, I was born in the USA. And then I remember, uh, you know, when did Rocky Four come out? 
Wasn't oh, it? Rocky Four would have been eighty five, eighty six. Eighty five feels right. Something I think like that. Rocky Three would have been about the same time as this. There was a lot of that that those themes at the time. You know, the red, white, and blue themes. And I think well, like and Apollo, I, and I, and I read, at the beginning of Rocky Four, when mm-hmm. Apollo Creed comes out and he's got his like his American trunks yeah. and stuff like that, like yeah. and then he has to fight the Russian. Yeah, that's well, very, James Brown singing. You know, there, there yeah, was, that might have been eighty four. Actually, that sounds about right. You know, I, I read some criticism of the album in terms of just like analysis, not uh, yeah, critiquing it, not in the but uh, but sense, um, yeah. like the cover design with an American flag, and then like his back. Turn to the to the, right. to the people. So there's an American flag. Some controversy called, about it's that. It's called so Born in the cover. USA. First track is Born in the USA. That it overshadowed the meaning of it because it, you know I think like when was that Greenwood song that, that um, Green Day? No, no Greenwood. It was that uh, oh, proud that? to be an proud to be oh, an God. American? Wasn't that was about that time too? I it think, was the first time know? I ever heard that song. I was at a Fourth of July uh, celebration in Pittsburgh, downtown mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, watching the fireworks and everything, and they played that song, mm-hmm. and I was like, "That's the best patriotic song I've right. ever heard." Like I just loved I, it. I swear time. it was around. And then that, it, got, it was around that. This time. would have been like '87, so it was around at about the same time. It's from the '80s. It's a. It's not Lee, Lee Greenwood. That's his name. Lee Greenwood. Yeah, that's the right one. Yeah, yeah. I, I really liked that one back in the day, but then. Like a lot of things that are patriotic, it got to be associated with all the wrong people for me. And I sort of, <laughs> I sort of drifted away. Right. That was released in spring of '84. Yeah. Okay. And Sounds then, about right. okay. So you had you had Lee Greenwood's. Uh, it's called God Bless the USA. And then Rocky Four came out. It's about '84. Might be '85, but it's right about there. '85. Yeah. Okay. So there's all this like this kind of red, white, and blue stuff happened around the red, same time. Red Dawn, I think, is in 85, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Red Dawn's on my mind a lot But this, ca- this came out, and this was a zig where everybody else, or a zag where everybody else zigged, I guess. Everybody else was truly patriotic, like, you know, God bless the USA and everything else, and even Rocky Rocky Four, And this one was the same overture, but yeah. a different theme. And so, but it overshadowed, like it lost its meaning. Everybody's like, yeah, born in the USA, yeah. You know, patriotic. Yeah, you know. it was definitely a case of um, it's a really good appropriation of something that, if you listen to it, is supposed to be a working class, probably progressive message mm-hmm. to some extent. It's not really like hard on that, but it's. I think it just—it's it, a little bit critical of the military or of the experience of a poor man fighting in the military. It's not terrible. It's just kind of a statement of like going to the military is a hard thing. It's, I don't, you know, and I don't know. It's not really anti-war. I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily going to the military. I think it's just, well, we just th- talking about is, his brother went off to fight the Viet Cong and, and like he died there and like, they're still there. It's just yeah. kind of down. Well, it's no, not really. Yeah, I, it's just, it's just speaking of, I think it's, it's trying to, in an age where rah, 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 USA, we can do no wrong. Right. He's like, Hey, let, let's talk a, a little bit about what's really going on here. Right. And if you think about it, it's kind of hard to, to remember, but, this is 10 years removed from Vietnam. Like Vietnam oh, yeah. ended in 75, Absolutely, right? Yeah. So Less 70, than 10 years. 74, it was still well, going on. Well, our guys on. came home in 73, yeah. I guess. But, yeah. but 74, it was still kind of going on. There was a way. So so obviously one way you react to that kind of a time is like the rah-rah, sis-boom-bah patriotism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's an, a, a second way that to me was always embodied by Woody Guthrie, which was like, you know, like this land is my land, mm-hmm. being like sort of the anthem of – People who would have been on the left, they would have been anti-war, but they wanted to make it very clear that, they're, that they didn't hate their country. They yeah. love their country. They just have a different take on yeah. Vietnam and stuff like that. And to me, this is in that tradition. This is very clearly yeah. patriotic. This is someone who's unambiguously American, not particularly – they're not saying anything bad about being an American. They're just like, I love my country, but, like, here are some problems yeah. that I'd like to see us deal with. It's like a progressive take on still being patriotic. That, to me, I think is just lost today. Uh, you never hear that message anymore. Yeah. Major League Baseball decided that you had to play God Bless America after the seventh inning. Yeah, after, um, after 9-11. The Baltimore Orioles had a thing where there were these giant riots in Baltimore, like the, to the point where, the, where Camden Yards was shut down for like a week and they were playing games with no fans in the stadium and stuff like that. But when they came back, they started playing, instead of God Bless America, they started playing This Land is Your Land at, huh. at the seventh inning stretch. And, like, as a way of saying, like, we love America, this is a patriotic song, but we don't want to play your God Bless America right now. We want to establish that we love America, but, like, America needs to change. And it was just a progressive way of saying that you were still being patriotic. 
And I remember I told my dad about that. My dad was like, oh, I want to get season tickets to the Orioles. That is such a cool statement because mm-hmm. I think that was his side of that whole mm-hmm. divide. It was like, you know, a lot of people on the left just not patriotic. Let's mm-hmm. be honest. That's like the dark secret of a lot of people on the left is they just don't really love America. Right. They don't really think patriotism is a thing you should be. Mm-hmm. And that always bothers me about them. And I like the idea of somebody who's going for change, mm-hmm. doesn't want to be racist, but, you know, wants to acknowledge the problems with America, but yeah, still that, loves their country. That's you know, the flip like, side on the right is that you have unabashed can do no wrong. It has to be unquestioned yeah, un- loyalty yeah, to your unquestioned country, loyalty, right? which is and, not how I feel. And we can do no wrong. It's right. like, no, no, right. we... Right. Vietnam was a mistake. We shouldn't have done that. You know, we've made a lot of or mistakes. Just to, like the acknowledgement <laughs> of like the racial history of the country. Right. To do you know? that doesn't mean I hate my country. Right. You know, right. I still so, love my country. So, I just, it's yeah, something yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a, an interesting dichotomy. It's like we can do no right and we can do no wrong. It's like uh, we're somewhere in the middle, guys. Yes, Seriously. exactly. So yeah. I think that's, I think, you know, something that's gotten lost and it's a refreshing message to see something yeah. like that. You know, I don't know whether... Some people said about the cover. Did you read that about the cover of Born in the USA? That Urinating like on the flag. I, I never. I never I can see saw that. It. I, I mean, now saw. I never saw it that way. Yeah, but I never now saw that you it. mention it, yeah, he's got his his backside facing us. But I, but again, that that was not. We didn't have social media back then, so it wasn't a thing, right? right? right. Now it would be like. Do you know who did the cover? Yeah, Annie Leibovitz. Annie Leibovitz. That's that, awesome. that was pretty surprising. She's. That's, the best photographer ever. I yeah. had a series of uh, baseball cards. I can't remember which. Maybe it was Upper Deck, but I don't know. They were just like, she did the best players and took pictures of them. And I just oh. remember thinking they were like some of the best ball cards I ever oh had. Oh, my God. They're she all was, like in black she, and white and everybody she, looks super you know, cool. And they talk about like anybody can do that? No. You look at look no, at look at anybody else's no, look no, at no. anybody else's photos and then look at her photos. Anybody could like, point and click wow. a camera, and it wasn't even so much the technical stuff; it was the composition oh. that I think made her an artist. She was, was she was, but yeah, I never saw that. You know, I never, I never. No, I didn't see that. I didn't see. So that. when they say you know it was a controversy, what like, I did well, see, whom? what I did see as I looked at the flag very clearly this time uh, is uh, the hat. He's got back, a he's got a freaking Trump hat in the back pocket. That is a Trump hat. Is that it? is, I think, where the Trump hat comes from. Make America Great Again? It is a red ball cap. Nobody wears just a random red ball cap. I think that when they designed the Trump hat, I think it's supposed to look like the one from the Born on the USA cover. I didn't really, it doesn't look like it has any writing or anything, but I was just looking at that. I was like, somehow, I think that's gotten associated with ultra patriotism, even huh, though, again, maybe. like we've said, Springsteen definitely not, uh, not even a Reagan guy, much less a Trump guy. So the, there, there are some things that are problematic about this. Okay. Okay. So he's clearly going for the working man look. So he's got a white T-shirt on. Okay. First of all, it's tucked in. That's problematic. So it's tu- I don't think it was it, back it, then. I think people used to do that. Tucked back into then. his Levi's. Now his Levi's are are you know kind of beat up. They actually look a lot like most of my Levi's. Yeah. So his back pockets all I don't own all, Levi's. all skinned up. You don't? No. You're un-American. Yeah, I have. And he all has this uh, faded baseball cap sticking my, out of his my, back. My pocket. brands are all gay jean brands. I don't have but, any Levi's. But then he has. Look where at do the, you buy Levi's? Look, describe there? that belt to me. It tell me what factory like a worker. cowboy belt. That is not a cowboy belt. Isn't it? It's got no. all these like bubbles and bangles on it. Yeah. What cowboy would wear? Jingles and jangles and bubbles and bangles. Isn't that a? That's not a cow. Yeah. I don't know what that is. That's that's not a belt of a factory worker from New Jersey. That's no. I don't know I what that so. is. No. Yeah. Probably anyway. not. But I, I think yeah. you know. I I just I always liked it. I always thought it was cool. I never thought that. It's you good looking. It's a good looking cover. It's a good looking cover. Yeah, I like it. But. Very iconic. You don't know what. So uh, it is iconic. That and that is that's a good word to use for it. Iconography. It's like literally very, an icon. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, a, like an yeah. icon. Yeah, but like it, a, but in then a Byzantine it, sense. But yeah. then it became an icon, right? I mean, he's right. using the icon to stage it, but then he became the icon. Yeah, like the whole scene. Did. Yeah, yeah. He has this slightly progressive message, but you take it and you play it. And it looks on its surface so patriotic that that message is completely lost. Yeah, it's completely lost. And they don't even have to. They don't even have to hide it from you. It's just lost because the rest of it is so loud. You know, probably most of the people listening to it never thought of it that way. I don't think they did. So I don't think this is the. I don't think that's the best song on the album. Neither do I. I don't even think it's close. I got maybe three other ones. What's your favorite? So I've been listening to it a couple of times. I've always liked "I'm on Fire." Okay, that's a really good one. That's a great song. Um, God, I forgot song. how much I liked Cover Me. Yeah, Cover Me That's good, a really yeah. good track. And yeah. Dancing in the Dark is really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- those are, I think those are my best ones. Like, you know, I'm going down a small town or hometown or whatever it is. My hometown? My hometown, yeah. yeah my that's, hometown. O- that's okay, you know. Well, that, that's closer to Nebraska. That's like. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, it's okay. It's an album track. I don't, I don't yeah. hate it. 
What's the worst song on the album? Oh, it's that stupid highway song. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm glad we're on the same page. Working on the highway. Working on the highway. Sucks. God, that's terrible. It sucks so bad. <laughs> it really it just does. goes on. It's just working on the highway, working on the highway, working on the highway. I'm yeah, like, was, okay, I get it. That's yeah, great. The, You're working on the highway. But then there's a twist at the end because being the warden or working on the highway. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, oh, awful. Lord. Awful song. Yeah. Like, it's just you got to have another song. So I guess it just had to fill in the rest <laughs> right. of it. There are a couple other ones that are mediocre, but... Um, it's got like five pretty good tracks, so I'm. Well, ten of them are top ten hits. Something like that. Top ten I don't singles. Know if it was ten of them, but yeah, it was, ten of them. Really? Okay. It's written right there on my sheet. sheet okay, sheet, so okay. it's got to be. I believe you. I believe you. But uh, I'm on fire. Is is probably one of my that one, the poetry of that song. Did you see the story behind that one? No, that was he came in with the album. Was all done. No, no, that no, no, that that wasn't. I'm on fire. That you're talking about dancing in the dark. Where he wrote it the, la- the like the night before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, that was on- poetry of I'm on fire. Okay, and there's a, which there's is a, what? There's a line in there that says, uh, sometimes it feels like someone took a knife, edgy and dull, edgy and, took, dull. Took a, and cut a six-inch valley through the middle of my skull. What a great line. Yeah, it's a great song. Oh. So Born in the USA, Cover Me, Darlington County, okay, mm. mediocre, Working on the Highway, terrible, yeah. Downbound Train, no. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. I'm on fire is a good one. No Surrender, Bobby Jean, I kind of forgot those. Yeah. I'm Going Down, Repetitive but Solid. Yeah. Glory mm, Days yeah. is a good one. Glory Days Glory is a good is song. Glory Days is a fantastic one, yeah. Not my favorite, but that's a good yeah. track. I always like that one. Dancing in the Dark, good song. Uh, my Hometown, okay. Uh, this is a lot of good songs in an album. Yeah. That's that's a yeah, solid. Sure. We got how many tracks? Two, four, six, eight, do you, do you 10, have a 12 favorite, songs. Do you have a favorite Springsteen song, like <sighs> overall, period? It's probably I'm on Fire. Is it? Okay. But I actually really like Atlantic City off yeah. of Nebraska. That's about it. I don't really know a whole lot. This Most of the ones I really know are on this album. I think uh, for me, Born to Run is a fantastic, oh, yeah. fantastic What's that? song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was when I, uh, bum, when I got my bum, master's bum, degree, bum. the dean of the school was obsessed with Bruce Springsteen yeah. and got up and gave a speech about that. And then as we took our degree, he played Born to Run like yeah. as we were going up. So that's – I definitely well, – what album is that? Is that on Atlantic? It's born, Nebraska? Born, born to Run. Oh, okay. So that's it's on a, okay. Yeah, that was the one. So he wrote, yeah, that's a I good think, song. I think seventy four or seventy six is when that one came out. That one saved his career because he had two albums. I think before that, that just went nowhere. There are critical su- successes, but nobody bought them, right? Yeah. And and all the critics were like, you know, this guy's next Bob Dylan, everything, everything else. But people were like, meh. And then he came out with Born to Run, and it was the wall of sound. If you listen to that, yeah. that and um, so he comes out with with that, and that, but that song, just the theme of it, the words like you know, town rips the bones from your back, it's a suicide trap or something like that. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. you yeah. know, it, it's a it's a death rap, it's a suicide trap. He, you know, the imagery and everything else that he puts in that, you just have this feeling like this is a blue collar guy who just escaped. It's five o'clock on a Friday night. Yeah, and and now he's going to go live because right. he's been he's been a slave uh, like last five days. And probably my favorite song is "Brilliant Disguise." God, that's a great song. Oh, I don't know that one. You don't know that song? No. Oh, okay, we're gonna we're gonna. Well, hang on, I'll, I'll look it up. Keep yeah. going. You talk. Um, so is it, is it on uh, "Born to Run"? Well, yours is okay. That's your favorite Bruce Springsteen song. I think so. Yeah, because right. I like I like the wordsmithy stuff, and "Brilliant Disguise" is all about. It's all about these plays on words. Like, you know, he's trying to figure out yeah. whether this girl is like telling the truth to him. Why 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 does she why does she keep like looking away when he she sees a certain guy and he'll like walk around a corner and see her talking to somebody and then all of a sudden so he's like, Wait, what's going on? Is that is that you that I'm seeing or just some brilliant disguise? But then at the end it twists around and he's the one that's actually been fooling her this whole time oh, and, okay. and uh, playing around on her. And it's, it's a great, it's a fantastic Turns song. out at the end of the song, he was a ghost the whole time. The entire time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, he made some pottery on a wheel. Right. and That's Bruce Shyamalan. <laughs> Bruce Shyamalan joint. Did you ever see the movie The Rescue? It's a really bad 80s movie with some kids whose dads were like special forces that went into North Korea, got captured. And the kids decide to sneak in on their own to rescue their dads because the government won't go get so them. So basically, it's like the best movie ever made, which is uh, what's that F fifteen movie? Um, uh, Iron Eagle. Iron Eagle. Uh, yeah, you got to be like a like an Iron Eagle. Is that your Louis Gossett Jr.? Yeah, that was nice. my Louis Gossett Jr. My, my Louis Gossett Jr. Uh, favorite is when he plays the alien in Enemy Mine. <laughs> <laughs> I am pregnant. <laughs> 
I just like that he was pregnant. Mickey Mouse. <laughs> I like I like that he had a baby. Yes, that was very much ahead of its time. That movie was actually pretty good. I liked it. Was it uh, Den- no, Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid, not Randy Quaid, who I think is underrated. <laughs> his favorite song. So. There's this film, uh, okay. The Rescue. And the kids sneak into North Korea, rescue their dads. They're getting out. They're trying to escape. Spoiler alert for a terrible movie no one will ever watch, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're rescuing their dads. They get in this North Korean plane, and they're flying out of North Korea. And the Americans show up with their fighter jets, and they're going to shoot down this plane and kill everybody. Of course, yeah. And so they have the one little boy climb up the hatch on top of a plane, which I'm not sure is a thing that exists. But anyway, climbs up on the hatch on top of a plane and shows his Born in the USA t-shirt <laughs> so that they can see that he's American and that's they don't shoot them down. the and worst thing I've ever heard. Yes, that's how they Even escape. hearing it, it's terrible. Yeah, it's pretty bad. So you can skip that one, guys. So this was the first CD produced in the United States. I, I read that, yeah. That was kind of surprising. That that's probably going to be my biggest surprise. That's just a little... 1984. First, 1984, the first, first CD. the first CD we had, my dad went out and bought one of those, like, towers. No, not, not produced, because they, they were making produced, them in Japan. Produced or, in the no, United no, States. No, I'm sorry, manufactured, rather. Actually manufactured so, here. Because the they had them one. in Japan. Yeah, yeah. But they 80, were importing 84, them. hardly anybody had a CD. God, nobody. I, yeah. I didn't... I mean, we got a CD player... I would say it was 85 or so. My dad was like a big yeah. purchase. Like he bought like a tower deck with mm-hmm. big speakers and like it had a CD player and a turntable yeah. like on top of it. He, he got the CD. The first CD we got, guess what it was? This was 1983. So okay, it's pretty easy, pretty easy guess, 1983. Thriller. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So what was, your, what was your first CD that you bought? My first yeah. CD. I didn't get my first CD player until my 13th birthday in 1990. Okay. What, what year would that be? 90. Okay. So my first CD was Young MC Stone Cold Ryman. Nice. Which was a great track. Great, yeah. great album, actually. Yeah. I, I listened to it. I'd listen to it still today. It's pretty good. <laughs> Bust a Move was just like one song. But I remember there was, the summer, I got a CD player, and I discovered it had a program function. You could just put the, the album on repeat, and I just put it on repeat, on repeat and played Faxanadu. For like oh, five days straight. What, what kind of CD player was it? Was it like a, a, disc, like a discman? Boom, boom yeah, box. Okay, boom no, box. It was a boombox yeah. with yeah. a little CD player in the middle. Yeah. I still have it. It's at my at my mom's house. I had uh, so I got one of those. My dad, a, my dad, uh, my stepmom said he couldn't get me the CD player because it was too expensive. So he got mad, got out of the car, went to the shopping center, and walked to my birthday party three miles carrying this boombox so I would get this boombox for my birthday. Oh, that was nice. So I was pretty happy with, it. and yeah, bought me cool. bust uh, bought me. Around, uh, yeah. Young MC, so it was like I got. Uh, so mine was uh, it was '89, uh, and it was it was a boombox again, like you said, um, that I had. I had one of those tape deck things so I could plug it into my my uh, car stereo. So I had the boombox on a pillow on the passenger seat of my car. Oh, I did that I because did that. it would skip. I mean, you would look at that thing wrong and it would skip. Right, like it had. You had whatever. a disc man. No, no, no. It was a boombox. Oh, okay. But with you know, a CD player. With a, yeah, with a okay. CD player. Um, but it was on my seat, and I had one of those tape cassette deck, you know, converter things. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Where you, oh, you yeah. plug, yeah. With a cigarette and, lighter. Yeah, yeah. And, cigarette and, uh, lighter charger, and then you had to put, we put the tape. Put the tape in the tape deck. deck yes, and, absolutely. Yeah. Have you, ever, little see, bump have you ever seen those memes where it's like the lady helping the grandma into the nursing home? I feel like ours would be like, in my day, we used a, a pretend cassette to put in so we could play <laughs> right. CDs so in the car. CDs. Okay, grandma, we'll take you inside now. And uh, my first CD was, ready? Uh-huh. No. Motorhead, Ace of Spades. Oh, wow. You were a lot cooler Ace than I was. Ace of Spades, man. Although I'm pretty happy with my first the, CD. Uh, this was the best-selling album of 1985. 1985, right. And the best-selling album of Bruce's entire career. Yes, Never did better than this. Well, I mean, that's not, I mean, so he sold 30 million copies of this, mm-hmm. which by the way that they measured things in those triple days platinum? would make it, it, it was tri- it was certified triple platinum, but 30 million copies would be. I don't even know what that is. Like quintuple. Di- I mean, Diamond it, or something? Yeah. So it's 500,000 units for a gold record, uh-huh. a million for platinum. Okay. Right. So this would be 30 times platinum. 30 times platinum. I was looking at this and this was just kind of off the top of my head. I was wondering... How do you do that today, right, with streaming? Yeah, I don't know. So the formula is that one, sorry, 150 streams is equivalent to one sale. Okay. So a gold record is still done by sales. Oh, so you just multiply okay. 500,000 by 150 and So do they do they collect it from all the different 70 places then? Cuz you've got like you've got like That's pen. a good question, but you've yes, got like probably everything paid. So it'd like be Spotify, Spotify, Amazon, Apple Music, Pandora, everything. Yes, you know, it'd be it'd be all streams. Okay. 
would be aggregated. And you need 75 million streams for a gold record, wow. 150 million streams for uh, a platinum record. And by my calculation, that means the 30 million copies that Bruce Springsteen sold of Born on the Run would be equivalent to 4.5 yeah, billion, billion streams. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. if you try to think about it, you ever look at a popular song, you might see right. two or 300 million streams. Right. I've never seen anything in the billions, I don't think. Oh, God, no. Not even yeah. once. So I, I don't know what that says about the music industry. Well, also... I bet that statistic is like now based on release date of 84 though, right? So that's- Well, it's had a 30, whole bunch of 30, time. Almost to, 30 years. It's had a whole bunch of time, right? To aggregate right, a whole bunch of extra streams. And that would yeah. be- Over Presumably 30 years, 30 Ed, Sheeran's, years? Ed Sheeran's latest track that has 200 million streams will continue to be streamed for the next right, 30 right. years yeah, and, exactly. and get billi- a billion streams pretty right. easily. You know, for now, it's still pretty impressive. My book is doing really well. The book that I released like four years ago, yeah. it's doing really well now. Yeah. <laughs> It wasn't back then. Oh, it is doing but, really well. Then. Well, yeah, because it's, like yeah. it just it keeps selling. You know, it just keeps selling. How are we doing on time? Are we ready? For <laughs> look at look up how tall he is. No, look it up. <laughs> you know, how, look up how other, tall he other, just he just looks little. He says. The other day we had a conversation about how tall various people were, yeah. right? And so yeah. I was looking it up, and it was giving me suggestions. So, a, a week later, my my Alexa keeps like popping up with like telling me how tall various <laughs> famous people are. Like That's I'm obsessed awesome. with this question. I love it. Like I'm well, autistic look, and look, I just look, walk around. Look him up. I think I think Dustin Hoffman's five foot two, five foot two. He's definitely five foot two. I, I think he probably it's is. Probably actually. about right. Yeah. I mean, I'm, that's a that's an educated guess on <laughs> Dustin Hoffman. So, let's see how tall is Bruce Springsteen. He is five foot ten. See, perfectly that's, normally sized yeah. person. I don't know why it, he just <laughs> looks like a small man. I don't know. I don't know why. It, Do you know what kind of uh, rock and roll Bruce Springsteen uh, sings? Like what he's classified as folk rock, maybe heartland rock. Yeah, that seems similar. <clears throat> okay, so, so so they, they lump they lump in there, uh, and I and I get the first one, uh, John Mellencamp. Yeah, I'll okay. take that. Yep. And Tom Petty, and I don't agree with that yeah, one. Yeah, I don't take agree. That. No, I, I don't that. agree with that one. Tom Petty's a lot more hippie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I can dig it. It's all about small towns and. Yeah, but he didn't have all those themes though. He didn't like. Mellencamp has all the themes of. A lot like like she Springsteen. grew up in an Indiana town with a good-looking mama who never was around. Grew yeah, but what's tall, the song about? Right. What's the song about? Uh smoking pot. Smoking pot. Yeah, they're right. all about pot. But yeah, I mean, but I mean, but he talks about you know L.A. and he he's you know he's the two a, kids that go off and they go and they I guess she they was go an to Ameri- LA American they, girl maybe American I don't know girl, I, yeah. I just don't I don't see it as much like Mellencamp I get like um, what's that one about uh, houses. Little pink uh, houses. Little pink houses. Yeah. You know, that's... Oh, yeah. And no, then Cherry Bomb. I mean, it's all yeah. about small no, towns. There's no, no question about yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's... Tom Petty, I, I, I think, don't agree with that one. So I was thinking that during this album, and I don't know if it's my biggest surprise, but it's kind of on that line. Uh-huh. It's listening to these, to these, to these songs yeah. and the way they're written, and especially some of the not very good ones, like the more... Me- not working on the highway bad, but the other sort of mediocre ones. Yeah. I was like, this is what's on country music radio today. It's this sort, yeah. It's just sort of like formulaic. Let's show up and do one, two, three, four rock band set, and we're just gonna say something a couple of times and then just hand it in. It's like, it's like the the Keith Urban type of country music, not the good stuff, not like not like Morgan Whalen, but or but like the stuff that's not very imaginative and just gets huge play on the country radio. Yeah, it's like it sounds like Bruce Springsteen to me. It's it's the same kind of musicality. It's rock, you know. It's in terms of in terms of what it is music genre wise, mm-hmm. it's rock music. It doesn't sound like country music for the most part right. anymore. There's not a lot right. of the instruments that used to be in country. There's well, not a lot yeah. of the, like a lot of the old country people like Hank Williams and stuff would have voiced sentiments that were a little bit like working class mm-hmm. and kind of like maybe maybe being a working class guys kind of hard and stuff yeah. like that. Like they were rooted in Irish music. They right. were rooted in Celtic music, and that's why it sounded that way. They had those well, I think same they all themes. came from, like, the Appalachians or Johnny something Johnny Cash like that. would yeah. have been somebody who was undoubtedly American but also pretty progressive yeah. at the same time. And I think he would have fit in with Bruce Springsteen a lot more. They yeah, would probably. have, except they're seen as being different genres, but I think in reality they would have been very close to one another. You know, because a lot of rock, really, a lot of my favorite stuff has always been British. Hmm. I never even realized it was. I didn't really put two and two together, but a lot of my favorite stuff was always British. I was like the Smiths and the Cure and the Beatles and the Stones. And I wasn't collecting the British stuff on purpose, but for some reason that always appealed to me more. But I was like John Cougar Mellencamp. I like him a lot. He's good. Don't call Uh, him Cougar. No, no, you're not allowed to call him that anymore. Yeah, I'm still calling him that. My (laughs) friend went to Indiana University in Bloomington, and uh, that's where John Mellencamp lives. And he said he would just, like, show up at the bar and, like, 
pick up on like college girls. Oof, really? Yeah. He would just like show up and he's tiny, by the way. Yeah, he's not. He's a little guy. And he would show up and he'd be like, just, hey, I'm, I'm a multimillionaire. I'm John Mellencamp. You know, you probably, you talk to 10 college girls, one of them would be like, all right, I'll hook up with John Mellencamp. Why not? Like, that's a story. Can I call you Cougar? No. No. Never mind. Yeah. That's kind of ironic that he was the cougar. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so what's your biggest surprise? Uh, my biggest surprise is learning that he never held a job in a factory. He never never went to Vietnam. Essentially, he never had any of the experience of the experience that he, that he talks about sure. and writes about. Um, his dad was a bus driver. Apparently, his dad had some mental issues, couldn't really hold down a job. His mom was okay. a legal secretary. Sure, he grew up in New Jersey. And maybe he saw some factories closing and stuff, but he never experienced it right. himself. Maybe his friends did. I don't know. He said he you know, he had friends that, that went off to Vietnam and stuff, and that would that would make sense because he was so he graduated in sixty seven. Um, oh, so he's the from, same from, age as from my high mom. School, Probably so. born forty nine. Yeah, I think so. And yeah. and and yeah. you know he got drafted to go to Vietnam. He 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 didn't. He was pass just it. so short. He didn't. <laughs> Yeah, didn't at pass five ten, at five ten, like, I wouldn't he didn't, take him. He didn't have he didn't have any of the personal experience that he sings about at all. Right. One of the He's, big strategies in the Vietnam War was only sending over the tallest Americans the tall people, to terrify right? yeah, yeah. the little people of um, Vietnam. But I mean, he's composing purely from observation and narrative that he hears from other people, right? Yeah, the things that he reads in the paper, maybe, and stuff like that. So he, and this this is really trite to say. Okay. Um, but like how much truth can this truth sayer have if he didn't have any of the experience in it? You know, you know the bard is never the guy that fights the dragon, right? Right. They're the bard's the guy that can express. They're, they're telling the story about yeah, the guy. You can, who, you can who, be that you can be the minstrel of your people without. Perhaps, you know. perhaps. But, but, but then again, he never, he never portrayed himself as this never happened to me. This happened to my buddy, John, though. Let me tell you about John. He never portrayed himself like that. It was always. He's a blue-collar, working-class guy, you know, yeah. that the voice for the little man, blah, blah, blah. And so after really— It's like saying J.D. Salinger's a liar because Catcher in the Rye is told in the first person. It's just a way of telling a story. No, I, I don't think so. I, I, think there's, I think there's a bit of a difference. Like if, if J.D. Salinger did nothing but write books about one particular topic, which as it turned out, you know, maybe let's say he wrote nothing about— Well, Salinger's a bad example. But let's say you had a writer who— Sorry. Who, who had nothing but stories about the poor and, and so forth, and you found out this guy grew up rich well, and, and had no, no history or experience of it. I don't, think, like, well, I don't think Springsteen's not that far away from what he's talking about. It's not like he was some rich guy. He just No, well, that's what I'm saying. It's he like, was just like, a musician sure, instead sure, he grew of— Sure, he grew up in New know. Jersey, and maybe this stuff happened around him. Yeah. But biggest surprise was that nothing ever really happened to him. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, well— It's like all the experiences like— This album made him a rich born, man. Born to Run. If you listen to Born to Run, the, the song Born to Run, there's a line that is like sprung from cages on Highway 5, chrome fuel injected or whatever— and stepping out on the line or something like that. I can't remember how it goes, but it's basically it's on on a Friday afternoon. Everybody gets out of the factory, get on your bikes, and you and you go and you cruise. Yeah, and you, you're free. Right, you're finally free. You got right. a few days to get be free. But he never knew what that felt like because he never he's talking about somebody else's experience. Yeah, it's just a bit of a different dimension. I mean, he's a musician, right? And he was a musician. Very early on, like he started being a musician early in his life, and early in his career. Wouldn't have had that experience, but he's definitely still a blue-collar guy. It's kind of like we talked about with the Are we supposed to argue? Biggest surprise? No, 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 no. I don't know. I was just thinking about it. No, I, I, I don't. Mean, I don't I, think it discredits him to that extent. I'm just saying that it it, it was surprising to find out that that he just didn't have any of these, these experiences. That's right. All. You know, it, it's um, and and in one case, you know, it's it might speak to him as a as a storyteller. Yeah. He does such a good job that you think he does. Yeah, this you know, is. That, um, you think he's got all that experience. If New Jersey were a country, mm -hmm. this these songs would be the national anthem. Some, but one of these would be yeah, the national anthem. Probably. This is a very yeah. popular yeah. guy in New Jersey, specifically. If you if you ever go to karaoke in Rahway, yeah, this would be your choice. Something by by the boss like that would make you very popular. That's yeah. like, or or actually. <laughs> You, actually, I take it back. Do you know who should you know who you should pick if you go to karaoke in Rahway? Who, who you should pick? Slightly more modern than Bruce. Not Billy Joel. No. Well, no. Billy Joel will always go over anywhere in the New York tri-state yeah, yeah, area. Yeah. If you're going to do okay with okay. Billy Joel, but uh, Bon Jovi. 
Oh, bon Jovi would uh, be your, your if you go and you sing "Living on a Prayer" yeah, to, yeah. to a bunch oh of Jersey God, girls. Oh God, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're gonna right. do okay. That's, no, you're right. That's, that's that's a good point. That's the way to go. So that um, is uh, earmuffs. That's uh, penny dropper right there. I don't know what that means. I don't know why you'd want to, to drop. No, your, when you're when you're in a store, if you're, if you're done with the laundry and you're going back to no, the no, dresser when you're, when and you're you drop store, your panties, I don't understand. And what your wife says, "Hey, hand me that that pair of pair of unmentionables so that I might buy it," and you accidentally drop them. Right. That's yeah. what I mean, yeah. yeah. I don't know why a particular but living music but living, No, Living on the Prayer likely. comes on. It's I'm so not distracted. Okay, your biggest surprise. My biggest surprise was how many, I've said this with other things, but how many good songs are on this album. Like, I thought it was a solid album, but listening back and I was like, oh, right, that one's good. Yeah, that one oh, too. yeah, that one's good, too. It was like six or seven of them where I was like, these are good songs. To me, that makes a good album. I think I miss the days when you get an album and put it on and listen to the whole album. Right. Now, I say that as a person who's part of this problem with the music industry. I do not listen to albums anymore. I used to love yeah. listening to albums. I used to just, like, I remember driving across, the first time I ever came out west, Driving across the West Texas desert and listening to uh, the James album, Laid, mm -hmm. and just like having that whole album and that hour of driving stuck in my head is like a very solid memory. I don't ever do that anymore. Yeah, no, that's Every true. once in a while, I'll be like, I should listen to well, it. For this show, this is one of the reasons why I like to pick albums for free choices yeah. because it forces me to sit down and listen get to back a whole and album, listen to them. which is a great experience, by the way, people out there, like people who are not doing this, I know. Go listen to an album. If you've yeah, had access sure. to streaming your whole life, you won't listen to whole albums, and you're not to be blamed for that. But if you ever can, the albums that were written before 1995 – they were meant to be played as an LP to listen mm -hmm. to the whole album, and it's an experience. But also, there, there's, it's there's different. But there's also the music, I guess, marketing dynamics. Sure. Where we used to have something called a single, right? Right. This had ten singles, so singles were like the best songs off an album. That, that like a a. a the, we, the, we talked about this with either the studio. Pet, it was either Pet Sounds or Sgt. Peppers. But I think it was, it was right, Sgt. Peppers. It was right there where the transition was. Actually, yeah. before that, Sgt. Peppers. It was Strawberry Fields. Singles were what Strawberry really Fields sold. like was not on Sgt. Peppers. It was released as a single right. before because you sold more was, singles than you sold LP. That was the last album yeah. that ever happened to. And after that, they're like, "That's stupid. Let's not do this anymore." Yeah. Yeah. Um, and because people bought the album, they're like, wait, where's that I, song? I don't remember you if know? I expressed this theory, but I think that the moment of the LP uh -huh. is the moment when white people stop dancing. <laughs> because it was All you right. sit and you listen to an album for oh, an yeah, hour. You just listen. Yeah. You just listen. Yeah. Whereas if you have singles, you're somewhere and you're listening yeah. and you yeah, dance right, along right, with right, it. Right, and right, they right. have to pop. Otherwise, you don't listen to it. I think you know? people, white people stopped dancing a long time ago. No, that. people used to dance. I'm telling you. My really? grandfather used to come to me and he'd be like, so what are the new dances? You know? And I'd be, really? like, I'd be like, what do you mean dances? Because like, he used to go out with his friends and they would all know how to jitterbug. Everybody and stuff knows like that, that like, white people throw out hips when they dance. Everybody knows that. It's, no, back in the day, back really? in the day, like in the 20s and 30s, people used to go out and they would dance. They could, I mean, it was, it was – it didn't look like dancing I mean, for today. I've seen you see like, like film all these clips, but I thought that yeah. was like CGI. No, or these, something. I think even in the forties, mm, uh, really? the fifties, you're listening to Elvis and stuff like. People were dancing to that music. No. People had sock hops. White people. What do you do at a sock hop? You dance. The hop. You dance. It sucks. Right? People know. were doing that up until the sixties, and then it stopped. I think it was when people <laughs> started smoking pot and listening to LPs. They were just like, "Yeah, you're probably right." Well, we're just going to sit here. Especially, what the do you do pot? to a Led Zeppelin album? You don't dance to that. You sit and you. You maybe talk about Some it. Some people sit, dance. You chill and you listen to it by yourself. Like clips of Woodstock. They danced. I think it's you called get dancing. That, that, okay, now I'm gonna, this is a white girl thing where you just kind of wave yeah, your yeah, arms. Right, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. not dancing. That's not dancing? That's, that's vibing. Oh, it's vibing. That's yeah. upright vibing. That's it, different. That's, that's still do that today, especially when yeah. they get really drunk. Yes. Singles were, were a thing back then. And, and right. to have – you usually have like one or two per yeah. album. And those were the, well, always, I, I, those were always like the best songs. When I was growing up. To in, have 10 out of like 15 or In the 80s and 90s, people still sold singles. Yeah. But they were the afterthought. You got the album first and maybe you got the single. If you thought the album maybe right. wasn't any good, you'd get so a single. Was, they, had, they had a thing called a ka-single. A ka-single. Did you ever have ka-singles? Yes. I had some ka-singles. Singles. I have some ka-singles so of some questionable things. When I days. first got married, super young, I was working Just at, the first time you got married. No, when I first got married. Okay. Right. So immediately after I got married. Right. After you sent the, uh, the black the, general the, postage stamp. The first time. Yeah. The and, first time. And your wife's family. The first time I got married. Right. 
Um, I haven't been married a second time, but this is the first time I got it married. It is the first time you got married. Absolutely. Nothing's going to change that. Right. So I was working. Barring with, some kind of end game time interference sort yeah. of thing happening. Maybe or then you could be married. Maybe she'll listen to <laughs> Maybe she'll listen to this. And, and that'll be the end. Yeah. yeah. In any case, uh, I was working in a mall. At They had these things called malls at the time. I was working at a jewelry store in a mall. My wife worked huh. at Camelot Music. That's an interesting choice. Camelot Music across, right, like right across okay. the, the hall. It was a music store. Camelot Music was kind of a thing. And you would go in there and they had uh, like earphones and you would walk up to a display case. Oh, that case. was awesome when yeah. they started doing that. And oh, so yeah, you'd put, yeah. put the earphones on. Borders and Books did And you that. would start pressing like the CD, you know, and, and it would, you could hear basically all the kind of the demo on an Apple Apple Music, right? Yeah, like yeah, no, you hear the great. first like ten or great. fifteen music, or fifteen seconds or whatever. There is a uh, a band called Savage Dragons. Oh my God! Yes. Okay, and they had this uh, they had this one song. I it, love you more than any. Okay, okay, no, it was before that. It was like it had something about chicka cherry cola. It was like yes, yeah, 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 <laughs> it was yeah, yeah, that yeah. Song. I can't even remember how it goes. Ooh, I love you. I don't know if I need <laughs> yeah, that's you. It. That one, yeah. yeah. So, yeah anyway. Jesus, I haven't thought about that. I, I got to all these. I, I got all that to my oldies. Uh, that, that's probably what I'm probably miss saying the line. I'm sure they didn't say chicka cherry cola. Yes, they did. Oh, they did, did they really? Anyway. Like a chicka cherry cola. So they yeah. released that. That's getting deleted. They released that as their very first like single. From the album. Savage Garden. Savage Garden? You I said suppose. Savage Dragons. Yeah. Savage Dragon is an image comic. Is it? Yes. And there's yeah. Imagine Dragons. Savage the band. Garden. You're I mean, mixing whatever. up Savage Dragon, Imagine Dragons, and whatever. Savage. It's Savage Garden that you're talking Savage about. Savage Garden. Yeah. Okay. So they're Truly released, Madly they, Deeply. They, Chicka Cherry Cole is not even on here. What is that called? I don't know. Truly Madly Deeply was their second single. And that was the funny part about it. That when they released um, Truly Madly Deeply on the radio, what happens is all the record stores... They got the oh, it's called "I Want You." So they came out with that like a month and a half later. They came out with "Truly Madly Deeply," but the thing was, they put both the singles in the same CD because they were cheap. And so by the time the second one came out, people they'd already sent all the the uh, singles back because that's what the CD like the the shops would do. Is like if it doesn't sell, right? They just send right. it back, right? Yep. Anyway, I was singing Savage Dragon. So people would come in all the time, and they'd be like, "Oh, they'd be like, you remember the yeah. Savage Dragon? He had that." That fin on his mohawk, head? stupid yeah, mohawk. Yeah, like, fin. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Image comics. You need to decide if you're <clears throat> toasting this classic. Am I toasting this classic? Yeah, my vote okay. is that there's so Even many the good argument. tracks. We recognize the album. It's an Annie Leibovitz cover. It's um, the the album that made Bruce Springsteen the boss, like that everybody knows. Yeah, I would vote for it. Or the Patron. I, I if I had. 50 albums from the 80s, this would definitely be in there. I mean, I think this is a good Wouldn't one. Wouldn't be the 56th? I don't know if it'd be 56. There were some ones I'd never heard of in the like top what? 56. It was on Pitchfork. Pitchfork mm-hmm. tries to be a little um, eclectic. Oh, I see. So some of the stuff they choose, I'm like, oh, really? Is that, you know. <clears throat> well, I will I will actually, it is a classic. I will toast this one. All right. I mean, I you got it. How can you, how can you, I think that's the right move. Yeah. How can you grow up in the 80s and not have, you know, born in the USA as part yeah. of but I think revisiting it, revisiting it helped me I like it so. more. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. So Short I, never as owned is. This, I never owned this album. Well, hold on. Hold on. Cheers. We're toasting the boss. We are toasting the boss. The boss. With the boss. And uh, thank you for joining us yet again. And so next uh, next time. I next time we are going to be doing a, a book. book. And mm-hmm. you hadn't told me what the book was going to be. So don't do what I think you're going to do. Which is I want to read a proper book. I want to be smarter than I was before I read the book. Please. No, no, we're doing we're doing <laughs> Yeah, we're doing a Dr. Zeus. Oh, all right. Yeah, we are. Mr. Right. Geisel. Yes. Herr Geisel. All right. There's a lot to talk about. Okay, which one are we doing? Now Why that, don't we do more than one book? Well that I have I haven't figured out. Why don't we, we do like we could, three Dr. We could do Zeus his books. first because there's a there's a, a lot of really good um, like history around his first. Or we can do Why don't we just pick the really racist ones that have been canceled? <laughs> Let's only do those. Well you know what? I was just thinking because I was in the library here on campus, uh-huh. and, it, and there's a big s- thing that said, you know, let's uh, do a podcast from Tuba Matant where the people all wear their eyes at a slant. There's a <laughs> there's a big display about banned books and how right. we should go read banned books. And yeah, none of them are the now. Surprisingly, that it's one was only things that were banned by the right. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah surprisingly, yeah. that one wasn't on it. It was only yeah. yeah it was uh, like Portnoy's complaint and you know things like that. Yeah. Uh, so um, I think that we should do some banned books, and I think that's. We have. We've done several that have been banned. Yes. We've done several that have been banned um, already. All right. So let's do uh, Cat in the Hat. No. No. You don't want to do Cat in the Hat. All right. Well, which ones are you choosing? 
Uh, and to think I saw it on Mulberry Street. Mulberry Street. Yeah. Okay. I, think that's I don't own that one, and that one might be hard to get. I can get it for you. I have a whole bunch of doc. We have most of the doctor suits. I've I've got it for you. Yeah, Books. I've got it. Yeah. I'll, okay. Okay. Sounds I'll ferret it your way. Just don't tell anybody, because yeah. I don't want to get uh, canceled for reading. Is it. that one of the ones that's canceled? Yeah, that's one. Of okay, because I have. If I ran the zoo, that's one of my favorites. What's the other? Oh, uh, <laughs> McGilligan's Pool was my all-time favorite when I was a little kid. Oh, McGilligan's. I think Toasting the Classics needs to be out because we're already spilling over into next <laughs> week's so. material. Um, All right, man. Which uh, amazingly sounds like it might get us canceled more than what we talked about oh, with the jazz singer. Oh, so. That can't be. Peace out, everybody. Bye, everybody. We, we love you. Slavo Ukraina. Let's win this war. Come on, guys. Get out there with those anti-tank weapons. The Germans are finally on board. The Danish are helping you. Come on. Kick some butt. Peace. Peace out. That's it for episode 48 of Toasting the Classics. For those playing along at home, Get some cold craft beer for our trip to Antarctica and H.P. Lovecraft's Mountains of Madness. If you'd like to get in touch, please send us an email at toastingtheclassics at gmail.com. Send us show ideas, comments, complaints, and let us know how much you love working on the highway and Savage Garden. Check out my blog at theattractivenuisance.com and follow us on Twitter at @attractivenuisance. Our music was written by Michelle McCarthy. See you next time on Toasting the Classics.